and welcome back to the Constitutionals Podcast. I'm your host, Chad White. If you didn't know, this is the premier podcast for the website, cpluscomedy.com. Like I said, it's a website. Go there. Here we are, back again, doing a little thing. Except this one's not little. This week, I'm talking to comedian Christian Finnegan. Talking about his new stand-up special, coming from Comedy Dynamics, Show your work. Finnegan is a storied comedian. He's been around for quite a bit of time. You may recognize him as I do from a lot of his appearances on Comedy Central, uh, including Comedy Central Presents and Premium Blend. If you'll excuse me, someone is just talking up a storm outside. (laughs) Comedy Central Presents Premium Blend. He's also done uh, The Late Show, Stand Up on Late Show, Conan. He's a, he's a, he's a comedian that's been around for a minute, and uh, I quite enjoy what he does. Uh, this latest special, Show Your Work, was shot and recorded at his uh, he, he and his wife's, his wife's um, uh, comedy club, QED Astoria, up there in Queens, New York, where uh, for a little bit, they, he'll he'll tell you he'll tell you they're in a special, but uh, I'll give you a little sneak preview for a little bit that they were living because they had to leave their apartment. Well, they didn't have to, but they ended up leaving uh, their apartment in the middle of the pandemic. It's a very it's a very good story to hear, uh, and I'm uh, butchering the details, but they had to live there for a little bit, split some time between there and their uh, other home. That's not inside the city. But this is a good special. Show your work. He's uh, Christian comes back with his uh, very funny delivery of a lot of great jokes, a lot of memorable ones. Like uh, you know what? I'm gonna I'm not gonna ruin anything. <laughs> but I was gonna talk about uh, one joke. I'll just go ahead and talk about it. Uh, talking about uh, working out. See, I don't want to ruin it. It's very good. You'll 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 notice when we get there. And uh, another interesting thing about this special is that there's a lot of documentary behind the scenes stuff. So you'll see little interstitial moments between the uh, the set that uh, what they were particularly going through during the pandemic. Now, here's the thing. I, and I, I mentioned this to Christian. Is that a lot of comedians, when they, they had two choices, essentially. Either talk about the pandemic or don't talk about pandemic. And Christian decided to do it because it was this was shot during the pandemic. Uh, his, his, his wife's business QED Astoria up there in Queens, New York is uh, is being afflicted by the pandemic and it's a it's a very personal personal uh, topic for him so might as well go for it. And then also he's a comedian so there you go. Uh, and uh, and it, you 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 get to see from the point of view you know throughout the pandemic we heard you know from the point of view, of other like uh, restaurants that were affected and and uh, 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 people or companies that mostly sell things in person, but not too often did you hear about the the uh, comedy club like you like, unless you follow comedy diligently, then you've never heard about the comedy club's perspective. And so now it's what, well, with the exception of, you know, some of them having to close down. And so now seeing QED up close, it is it is good to to get that business perspective, but also the personal one. Um, and again, this is the, you know, 
It's it's something that's been in the neighborhood for a minute, and and uh, they're just trying to get by like any other small business out there. So as I stepped down off my soapbox, ooh, ow, splinters. I wasn't wearing shoes, <laughs> and I hit my shin. Ooh, I'm bleeding. This is why I don't do comedy. This is why I just talk to the to comedians. I couldn't even think of the word comedians. So I stepped out of my soapbox. I do want to tell you again. Show your work from Christian Finnegan. Such a very good special. And I'm a sucker for uh, interstitials and anything that breaks up the comedy or just something being different. Again, this comes from Comedy Dynamics and it's available... Basically, wherever you get your specials, you can watch it or you can listen to it or you can do both. Comcast, Amazon Prime Video, Apple TV, Spectrum, Peacock, Dish, Google Play, Vimeo, YouTube, Sirius XM, Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, Pandora, and the rest. Like I said, that's a, that's a wide swath of places to enjoy this. Listen, I've been talking for oof, 5 minutes. <laughs> you came here for Christian. So let's get to it. If you want to see a video version of this interview, head to youtube.com/c+comedy where you can see uh, me sitting in front of my camera, staring directly into it as to be personal to my interviewee. You can also see Christian sitting there doing the same you can also find uh the premiere show for c plus comedy called news time which is a weekly news show <laughs> i'm laughing because i didn't do last week's episode so i have to do two this week so weekly weekly news show i take one topic and i drill down into it it's very fun very funny it's like the daily show except uh way less fun and way less funny <laughs> What else? What else? What else? What else? Instagram, Twitter, at C plus comedy, on Instagram and Twitter, at Chad Black White. You can follow Christian Finnegan at Christ Finnegan. <laughs> that is what, that's what his, uh, that's what the, the, the thing says in his uh, PR profile, whatchamacallit? Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, C-H-R-I-S-T-F-I-N-N-E-G-A-N, Christ Finnegan. And again, show your work is available wherever you enjoy stand-up video and audio. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. If you went to go watch this, I'm Chad White, and here is the interview. Uh, I'm, I'm good. I mean, my, my special went live today, uh, and so that's nice. That's that's very nice. Uh, it's kind of been a long time coming, so I'm very happy about that. But it's it's such a there's such a uh, postpartum aspect to it that you know you you work on a project for a long time, and then it's like oh the big release day. It's like well the release day is pretty much me sitting in my sweatpants in my apartment like putting things up on Twitter and Instagram and stuff. It's not really like a you know there's no there's no bugles trumpeting my you know heralding my arrival. Yeah. But um, but yeah, no, I'm I'm great. I'm great. 
Well, I, I actually, you know what, that postpartum thing is very interesting. Uh, what? So this is the day of. What happens the day after? It's, you know, it, I mean, you know, not considering that we're still in a pandemic, but sure, sure. After, I mean, how does that? Is the weight off the shoulders, or or is does the postpartum continue and get even deeper? And, and then you're like, I have to plan something else next. Yeah, I mean, I, I have found for myself, uh, you know, I I I have fought responsibility my entire adult life which is one of the reasons i probably wound up in comedy is because i didn't want to have a job or something like that but at the same time i have felt that i function best when i have deadlines and there are people expecting things from me because uh, left to my own devices i will find a way to fuck around and uh play too much playstation and, and stuff like that and so um you know, there's obviously this this project I I've been very involved in, and and it will be uh, the next week or two will be still taking up a lot of my time, kind of trying to do some podcasts like this and and things like that. But then come November, I'm gonna have to really decide like, all right, what's gonna be my next thing because I can't just. Uh... Although the good thing about that is that it's almost close enough that I could just roll right into the holidays and be like, I'll pick it up in 2022. <laughs> And then, and then it's a cycle. You get back to the yes. point where you're, you're, where you're like, ah, eh, maybe I'll just put it off a little bit. But yeah, and I am definitely prone to that kind of thing. So, um, so I don't exactly know what my my next little thing is. I mean, I'm, I'm one of the nice things about uh, recording a, an hour is that you are kind of starting from scratch in terms of material, and that's it's kind of fun to to build up time again. Um, you know, uh, what was different about about this this special for me is that a lot of times when you record an album or a special, you're really sick of doing the material by the time you're recording it. And so by, by the time it's over, you just kind of want to like never think about it again. Whereas a lot of the stuff for this special, because of the pandemic, I, you know, there wasn't really a lot of time to, to perform it. Um, and even though a lot of the material I had been doing for a few months or even a, a year, there's a couple bits that were actually quite old that had just never found a place on another album that made it on this one. Um, but a lot of the material was still kind of new and fresh when I recorded it. And so I, you know, definitely over the course of late, you know, the early 2021, I definitely was performing a lot of the material from from this special and so it's only now that I'm actually starting to build up time again. Um, but that's kind of the, I mean, that's really as a stand-up for me, that's kind of the sweet spot is, is when you have new material, but you're not sick of it yet, <laughs> you know, or it's polished enough that you know, it's going to go well, or that, you know, you have like some sort of foundation for a new hour, but it's not like verbatim. You're not just reciting it. You know, it still feels uh, in the kiln. For lack yeah, of a better word. Definitely. It's and this one was interesting because I think, you know, comedians they had two choices uh to either mention the pandemic or to not do so mm -hmm. uh, if they record their special or album in the middle of the pandemic. And you chose to go full tilt right into it. And I, I it, it does pay off and it's uh and it and it shows so much in the joke writing and the telling. Uh, and then also physically in the in the crowd aspect of it too, right? Sure, you know, just people sitting around. Um, was it was it a, a 
so you so it was a mix of the jokes from uh, before the pandemic with other specials, and then uh, that you haven't done yet, and then these these pandemic based jokes. Was that an easy decision for you to just go ahead and say I'm going to do coronavirus jokes? Um, it felt it felt natural at the time. Um, you know, it was just because I was sort of living and breathing it in in you know we all were of course, mm-hmm. but. In the, you know, as I don't know how much of the if you've gotten to this part in the special, but you know, we were my wife and I were actually living at the venue where right. we shot the special at the time because we had lost our not lost, but we had given notice on our apartment in New York before the pandemic started, and then when the pandemic started, we said to our landlord like, "Hey, can we actually stick around?" And he's like, "Nope," <laughs> and so we had to to vacate, and so you know, QED, which is the the venue where my that my wife owns and where we uh, shot the special. We were actually living there half the time. Half the time we were living up in a cabin in upstate New York. But then every Wednesday through Saturday, we would be in the city, you know, doing shows in the QED backyard back when that was still tenable. You know, you could have 28 socially distanced people out there is how we could swing it. And we had a mattress backstage and we were sleeping there. And I had a foot operated camping shower in the basement that I would use to, to bathe. And it was real. So it's like it wasn't just the I mean the pandemic was maybe more all-encompassing for for me than maybe for some other people because it wasn't just that comedy was gone but like my apartment was gone I was you know living breathing you know we had two dogs in the play you know it was it was it was just a surreal year even above and beyond all of the you know uh death I guess would be the word (laughs) um and so I kind of you know at a certain point I was like you know what I've got just about an hour like that I've been working on and let's just go for it. Like, why not? Like I have this opportunity. I have really talented friends. Uh, my friend, Victor Varnado, who directed it, you know, uh, and Steve Rosenthal who edited it, they had worked on a special that I had been a part of a bunch of years ago called tell your friends. Um, and to, in my mind, it's the best looking standup special that I've seen. It's, it was, a, wow. it was, um, Chris and Sean and Kurt Brown all are in it, and Reggie Watts, and uh, and myself, and Rob Pervoni, and Leah McEnany. It it was uh, kind of a, an, again, an independent sort of project, but it just looks better. It looks cooler than most stand-up specials, which to me is a lot of times it just looks like turn on the camera and then it, you know, either that or they have those like really cornball swooping shots over the audience and and. Uh, one of the things that I said to, to Victor when we started working on this project is that I, I want it to feel like the opposite of badass. Like, I'm so sick of badass. I, I'm so sick of, like, you know, flames in the background and, you know, like, you know, either hip-hop beats or, like, raging guitar in the background. Like, I, no, no. I want to bring it down. It's like I'm a, I'm a working comic trying to make it through this year like everybody else. And I wanted the special to kind of have that vibe. And I, I think I think it, you know, I don't know whether it's a vibe other people are interested in, but to me it felt way more true to the way not just my not just the way 2020 felt, but the way that sort of life as a sort of just plugging away work and comic feels mm-hmm. than this sort of thousand people, you know, you know, that that's great. I've had shows like that. I'd love to have more of those, but that's not life as I recognize it. It's not comedy as I recognize it. Um, this to me feels way more like the way a, a comic's typical life <laughs> feels. It's like these shows 
you know, it's a little looser. It's a little more, there's a little more screwing around. Um, it's not, it's not quite so much of a recital as some of the other ones. Yeah. I, I remember that story. I, I listened to never not funny. So I, I, you were on either before you were about to shoot the special or directly after. And mm-hmm. it was, it was very, very funny to hear that story of you guys being in that apartment and then, and then having to leave. And then, yeah. uh, you know, going up and down, uh, between, you know, your, your cabin home and, and, uh, and the, and QED. But I did want to touch, you know, actually before I touch on QED, uh, the, your thought about your, 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 your mention about, uh, like the badassery of, of, uh, of, of someone's comedy special. Uh, it's an interesting thought. And I do agree because, this one, your special, and uh, someone like I think uh, Chris Gethard, I spoke to him a couple of months mm-hmm. ago about his latest special. Both were documentaries, you know, in the in interspersed between you know the comedy. Yeah. And uh, I have I've learned something about myself, especially over the past year, that uh, if you're going to do a comedy special, I want you to stand out from everybody else, as opposed to doing the same thing. And so this really stuck in my mind as something that. Uh, you know, people can look forward to watching, uh, you know, besides the comedy aspect, but to learn something about, like you said, the working comic during a time where everybody else is struggling the exact same way. Well, th- thank you so much. I, I really appreciate that. I, I, I was hoping that that would kind of come through. And it's always a bit of a, of a nuanced line to find because you don't want it to be like, you know, this is I'm the artist and this is my process. You know, like it can sort of devolve into wankery pretty easily. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, first of all, you know, it's, it's an easy decision to make for me in the sense that, you know, maybe if I was, you know, um, you know, if I was Kevin Hart, you know, and I had the option to go play an arena and have 20,000 people screaming my name, maybe I would be seduced by that, but that's not really on the table for me at this juncture. And so, um, I just wanted to do something that felt I mean, honestly, I, even that is overthinking it. I really just wanted something to, at first it started with just something to give me something to focus on during the pandemic. It's like, I just need something to look forward to. I need something to just circle on my calendar. Again, about putting sort of a deadline in front of me. And, and uh, it made me, you know, really work on my material in a time when there really wasn't any other reason to work on material because you know the shows that did exist were Zoom shows or they were outdoors in Central Park or whatever. So it would have been very easy to kind of just let my sort of comedy muscle atrophy. And, uh, but I just needed something. I needed something to sort of look forward to. And, and then from there, it kind of then broadened into something bigger when we decided to start shooting some doc footage and things like that. But, um, yeah, I mean, you, you, you know, at the end of the day, it is comedy. You know, you want it to be funny. You want it to be about the material. You want it to be about the jokes. Uh, but why not do something that feels specific to you? And, and I hope that probably more than anything I've ever done, this feels like a product of me as opposed to a product of a company that I then just sort of did my material for. And so I'm, I'm, I feel very, this feels like the birdhouse that you built yourself as opposed to the, the one you went to Home Depot and got, <laughs> you know, and the one at Home Depot, maybe it'll last longer. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's a little fancier or whatever, but you're always going to love the one that you built from scratch yourself. There's always going to be some, you know, love there. 
Mm-hmm. Well, and then like you know, speaking the love and the, the hands onness of it, uh, it did feel very hands on. It felt it came like it came across, especially seeing you carry out chairs to the backyard and set yeah. everything up. And uh, there's it 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 just it was very very genuine, and and that and that really is something that does stick out. So even if the birdhouse doesn't last very long people are always going to remember that you know oh wow that birdhouse that you know broke after a couple of months it was a cool birdhouse that's really i think i hope so you know in some of it i think was a little bit kind of telling on myself that you know um i don't know how to say this properly but uh again the sort of opposite of badass thing where it's like you know my life isn't badass it's it's very uh, lukewarm assed. You know, I I, am, I have a very normal. I mean, it's not exciting. The, you know, the, my, my comedy, my life as a comedian is not me in private jets and uh, you know doing blow and stuff like that. It's me taking out the garbage and setting up chairs and and things like that. And you know, and I'm also obviously with my wife owning a venue. I kind of see it from both sides. You know, because I help her. I mean, it's, it's, it's our money. It's her place. You know, she's the boss in every way, shape and form, but you know, I spent a lot of my life helping and, and, you know, doing things for QED and I'm, I'm super proud of it in a way that I've never really been proud of anything of mine personally, but you know, it's, it's almost easier to be proud of something that you're working with as opposed to yourself. You know I mean? It feels less, uh, self aggrandizing. Like I can say QED Astoria is fucking fantastic and everyone should go there. Whereas it's a little weirder to be like, I'm the best and you guys should come see. Like that doesn't feel as natural to me. Um, and so I also just kind of wanted, because I don't know what the future is going to hold. And, you know, there's something I said in the in the special that um, I didn't know whether it was an advertisement for QED or a eulogy. And it's been, you know, over a year now since we shot it. And I still don't really have an answer for that because it's tough it's tough right now. I mean, you know, just because a lot, I think a lot of people think because their local comedy club or their local rock club or their local bar that puts on comedy shows because they're open, they think that they've made it, you know, that right. they've made it through the pandemic and everything's wonderful. No, it's right. really, it's, it's honestly harder now than it was then uh, because whatever grant money you were able to get, you've gotten and that's it. There's no more yeah. money coming down the pike. And there's also, you know, landlords are starting to say you know time to pay up and and uh people just aren't coming out as much as they were before the pandemic you know the fridays and saturdays are okay but on a wednesday night my my wife said it kind of perfectly she's like if you're working from home right now you're not showering and putting on pants to go out to a comedy show on a wednesday night you know be one thing if you're like hey after work we'll go to happy hour and then we'll go see a show it's like nobody's leaving there like people have learned how to be home mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what i mean and so i i think it will get back to something resembling normal eventually but it's going to be you know delta is going to have to be a thing of the past mm-hmm. and people are also just going to have to remember what it's like to be you know to to want to go out more yeah. you know people just aren't going out as much now and so i i'm so proud of qed but I also thought, like, who knows how long this is going to last? And I kind of want it documented on film somewhere officially, yeah. you know? Yeah. What What are you seeing uh, from your wife, like, from the from being, you know, watching her 
run this place and, and, and try to book comics and, and work with crowds and try to just get more people in. What are you seeing uh, during this time that's that differs from uh, the, you know, besides people not showing up and staying at home, that differs from, you know, before? Cause, uh, well, I mean, you know, there's obviously there's just more work in terms of, you know, checking vaccination cards and, and mm-hmm. you know, the sort of logistic stuff. But there's just it's more work for less money is really what it comes down to. You know, that's uh, you hear a lot of stories about people not wanting, you know, how these restaurants or companies that can't find employees to work for them. It's like, well, you know, if you're a waiter, do you really want to work harder for less money right now? It's like. Do you want to have to wear a mask for eight hours for uh, an empty restaurant where you maybe, you know, would would make a third of what you would have made two years ago? Yeah. And, and it's uh, I mean, that's that's one of the things like, you know, QED, the, the staff right now is a bit of a st- skeleton crew. You know, we have what we need. Mm-hmm. But before the pandemic, you know, we had, a you know, f- four bartenders and four different door people. And, and there were seven nights a week, two to four shows a night, depending on the night. Wow. And now it's like it's Wednesday to Sunday afternoon is, you know, and, and even those it's a bit of a it's a bit of a struggle. Hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, honestly, being married to someone on the business side of things has opened my eyes up a lot. You know, I think comedians can be very navel gazy mm-hmm. and are just a little solipsistic, um, lack of a better word. Uh, they they don't really see it from the other side. They don't understand how much of a drag it is when it's Saturday night and somebody bails on a set half an hour before the show and all of the just chaos that creates, you know, and for for my and for me, you know, because I'm helping with a lot of the stuff. It's like, oh, great. Thank you for tossing this live hand grenade into my evening, <laughs> you know, um, and people just they do seem to be bailing a lot more and i don't know what it is like comics i feel like have gotten a little lazy uh maybe because they're it doesn't feel real yet it doesn't feel normal yet anymore but 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 comics i feel like are not really acting with the degree of professionalism that they used to because everything feels a little bit loosey-goosey and like who cares uh and it's you know there's a I mean, it's not just comedy. It's everything. I mean, there's like there's a genuine malaise going on with people. Mm. Um, I think it was that thing where, you know, when everything looked like it was going great in the spring, when vaccines had come out and people started to kind of see that light at the end of the tunnel and then to have that sort of door slammed shut again when Delta yeah. started coming up, it, it had a real it's like that fool me once, shame on me, fool me, tw- uh, fool, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. I feel like people are now gun shy to have any optimism at all, <laughs> you know, yep. and that will change over time. But I, I think that that it is is trickling down into the ways, you know, just how everyone's acting. I, I feel like people are kind of every commitment is kind of a soft commitment. Mm. Every, you know, pe- like, you know, you make plans with people and chances are you're going to want to bail or they're going to want to bail. You know, it's just, everything feels like a, like it's written in pencil right now. Yeah. I, uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's bad to see and it's insane and it sucks. And I just want every comedy venue. I live down the street from an improv theater and, uh, and I just want it to survive. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, and, I, and I'm on the volunteer list and I haven't volunteered 
uh, in quite some time, but I still want them to, you know, to they just open back up, and I want them to be sure as as uh, as profitable as possible. And and uh, it stinks to like to be on this list of people for volunteers, and they go, well, we lost our creative director, and we lost you know this person, mm-hmm. and it's just yeah. It's, um, you know, but, and, and I you know, in my whole sort of philosophy, for lack of a better word. And it kind of shows through in in the special is just, you know, at the very end, which you haven't seen at the very end, it just there's some writing on the screen, as you know, throughout the special. And just the the last word is just onward. You know, it's just just keep your head down, man. Just just forward, just forward. Just keep going, you know, because it this will work itself out if you can just hold on and don't get too high. Don't get too low. Just keep, you know, plugging along until one day you'll look up and all of a sudden it'll be sunny outside that that's sort of my philosophy i hope that 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 i'm right about that i'm not generally a very optimistic person but i do believe that things work themselves out one way or another over time Mm. you know it's just that this has just been a long a lot longer of a haul i mean i remember when you know this all started when uh qed initially closed uh, in March of 2020, I am saying like, what's the worst could happen? We're closed for four to six weeks and then right. everything's fine, you know? And now here we are 18 months later. So, um, again, I, I don't think everything becomes wonderful, but I do think that, you know, people get bored of being sad eventually. You know what I mean? People get bored. I think people are going to get bored of staying inside. Younger people are going to come along and they're going to get bored of being inside. They're going to want to start hooking up again. And, uh, that's, that will be the, uh, the thing that gets things back to normal. It's just a horny 23 year olds. Hey, look, even the horny 28 year olds, we're, we're getting out there. We're yes. Not- you got it. You got to, man. I mean, you, you got to, you are, you are the, you're the, you're the, fu- I believe the horny 28 year olds are our future. I believe is how the song goes. <laughs> that is exactly. Uh, I did want to ask you about your, your comedy central presents stuff. Uh, that I remember when, you know, early on when Comedy Central was still doing comedy specials uh, in the early 2000s, and they would play that constantly. It's like your episode, uh, uh, Carlos Alice Rocky, uh, Alonzo Bowden. Like, I remember like very specific episodes of Comedy Central presents and, and specific jokes. And yeah. uh, and you don't get that anymore because that was like the only comedy that was on. Yeah, was- there was a monoculture at the time. Like, you know, exactly. if you wanted to watch comedy specials or you wanted to watch, see comedy, that was the easiest way to do it is just flip through, see what's on Comedy Central. Yeah, I mean, I I mean, I, I got the benefit, obviously, of, of that. You get the, the downside, too, in the sense that, you know, I didn't get paid really for any of that. Yeah. I mean, I, so, I mean, now nowadays you can kind of monetize. You know, I remember people talking about how in, uh, you know, in the day of Carson, you know, that there were like two or three gatekeepers, you know, that if you did, a, if you did, if you did a set on, on Johnny Carson, then you would work for the next three years. Like you right. would be booked in clubs and like you'd have, you had a career yeah. there that doesn't exist anymore. There's now a thousand gatekeepers, but each gate is worth one thousandth as much <laughs> if that makes yeah. sense. Yep. And so it's, I don't think it's better or worse. It's just a totally different model now. And so, you know, you see people who, comedians even not just podcasters but like comedians who have podcasts and they're they've monetized their podcasts mm-hmm. and they have you know you know 200,000 subscribers and and they're clearly making great money and I've never heard of them I've never mm-hmm. heard of them and I'm reasonably involved in the comedy world <laughs> you know what I mean 
but that's kind of more what it's become about is just like find your little group of people and cater to them, you know, as opposed to kind of the idea of I'm going to do a Comedy Central special that will make a tiny little impact on a lot of people. It's instead it's I'm going to make a major impact on a smaller group of people, hmm. I think. But I managed I'll- to do neither. So. I want to I want to bounce off of uh, that comment about the you know comedians that you've never heard of. It's it's interesting because you know that same thing can be applied to people who are on YouTube and they have a million subscribers. Mm-hmm. I've never heard of them, but they also tour with stand up. And I have to think, when does that person call themselves a comedian? Like, is it when people are coming out to see them? Do they do it at a point where they uh, have been doing it for a couple of years and go, hey, I'm a comedian now? Or is it just like, hey, I, I make comedy sketches on YouTube and I consider myself a comedian. When did you find uh, that you called yourself a, uh, a working comedian? Like, when did you when were you comfortable with that? I think once I, I, I did Premium Blend, which was the old Comedy Central like showcase. Once I had a TV credit or two under my belt, I feel like I could reasonably say that I was a comedian. Um, you know, yeah, up until then, I would say I did comedy. Yeah, I do comedy. But I would not necessarily have said I'm I'm a professional stand-up comedian. Um, I don't think you necessarily have to have quit your day job because there's a lot of day jobs that are kind of vague. You know, like if you work, if you write for a television show, that's that's technically a day job, but it's obviously a very big deal in comedy. Um, yeah, I, I mean, in terms of the, I, I get frustrated sometimes with the the comedy industry, and we've kind of done it to ourselves in that. A lot of these sort of people who have success, you know, either on YouTube or Twitch or these various online platforms, and they don't know how to monetize it beyond just advertiser dollars. And so they, yeah. they start doing comedy clubs just because it's like comedy clubs just want butts and seats, a lot of them. And they don't really care whether you're really a comedian or not. There can be a bit of a uh, just get them in the tent philosophy. It's yeah. like... And it used to happen with Twitter, and like in the when Twitter was first a big thing, there were a lot of those Twitter famous comedians mm-hmm. who would pack comedy clubs, and they would disappoint audiences because it doesn't matter how funny you are on on Twitter or on on YouTube or whatever, it's a different animal. I'm not saying it's harder or easier; it's just different. Right. Just because you're good at baseball doesn't mean you're going to be good at basketball. You know, um, Michael Jordan proved that. You know, or in reverse, but. Uh, and uh, so, I mean, that's always going to be a thing. I mean, you'll see at comedy clubs, they'll have like soap opera stars show up and make appearances, you know, wow. and also a lot of celebrities who kind of like were like Steve-O, you know, from Jackass started yeah. doing comedy clubs because it's like, well, what else is he going to do to, you know, he's not writing scripts, you know, he, mm-hmm. you know, he needs to do something to capitalize on the notoriety he has. And a lot of comedy clubs just see, oh, he's a celebrity, we'll con people to get to come and see him and so i mean it's frustrating that that happens but i can't really overly it's just i can't do anything about it i can't do anything about the the big tiktok star who's now headlining the comedy club and i don't think that that means they're necessarily going to be terrible Mm -hmm. maybe they'll learn how to do it as well but again it's it's a different it's a different skill and i wish that people kind of appreciated that stand up is its own thing and it's not just being famous in front of people. Yeah. But do you, do you think there's any room for like right now it's all about multi hyphenates. I'm a writer, producer, actor, musician, all this stuff. 
But comedians, uh, a lot, especially the touring ones, they are hyper focused on you know doing stand up. And yes, some of them would love to write, but a lot of them just like the love of going around touring and, and doing comedy. You think there's any room left for that person in the in the entertainment industry? I mean, we'll find out. You know, uh, it's you're certainly correct. And in sometimes I worry that when I get too hyper focused on like I'm a comedian and that's what I do and I'm not a multi hyphenate and this is what I do, it's it's a little bit boomery. Like maybe I'm a little like sound like an old guy a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, I definitely do think that the the sort of culture now encourages you to sort of try to be ten things at once. And uh, my feeling has always been that you're going to be one-tenth as good at those things if you're 10 things, but that's me. Um, And and also a lot of the things that people, a lot of people that call themselves comedians, slash, 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 a lot of those things that they also are, to me, are kind of almost contrary to comedy. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, to be a comedian slash model, to me, (laughs) is just like, those are in opposition to each other, (laughs) like into like personality wise for me, you know, I, I don't understand it. You know, I, 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 I just don't, to me, I, people get into comedy because they're not models. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, it's not as simple as that, but, um, I, I think that a lot of people think smiling a lot is being funny. Right. Or, uh, you know, there's a difference between being amusing and being funny. And I, I'm not saying one is better than the other, but like being funny, there's a, there's got to be like a, a bit of a catharsis to it. Like there's got to be a little bit of a release or a bit of a not a dirty feeling to it, but there's got to There's got to feel like a little bit of an edge or something. Yeah. Whereas being amusing is like a person in a commercial is amusing. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, the flow, the progressive lady is amusing. Um, it's different to me than being funny. Yeah. You know, um, so, I mean, God bless them. I, you know, younger people are so fucked, you know, they're so fucked in terms of being able to make money and stuff like that. So it's really hard for me to begrudge anybody. You know, I came of age in the, in the 90s, you know, when I could just go get a temp job anytime yeah. I wanted, really. I, you know, I don't, I don't take that for granted. Like these, you know, I don't want to be one of those fucking, you know, people like my dad's generation was like, Oh, these kids, they just got to work harder. It's like your work, your one job paid for a house, uh, for your kid's college, like all these things, like those, those are not options. Now people have to hustle 10 times as much because again, all the opportunities they get are worth less. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's really not my role to tell anybody you're doing it right or you're doing it wrong. My feeling has always been that young people are always right because they end up being the only ones left, you know, <laughs> that they yeah. win because that's the culture is going to go where they're going. Yeah. So uh, it's not for me. Let's put it that way. But whatever you need to do, man. Hey, hey that works. Uh, Sorry, I talk, I talk too much when I don't know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> no, no. I think you gave uh, great answers uh, that were uh, fantastic to all the questions. You think you talk too much. I talk too much. Until I get to the point, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta wrap it up. Sometimes, you know. Well, I, I think it was, uh, I think it was either Lincoln or Thoreau. I don't remember who said, uh, "How will I know what I think until I see what I say," which is, uh, 
I should look that up. I, it's, but, but yeah, it's to me that that resonates a lot. You know, sometimes you have to actually say something out loud and be like, oh yeah, that is my opinion. What do yeah. you know? Yeah, that's how uh, that's how uh, you know people, great speakers like Obama, you know, or uh, just they just talk slowly and until they get to a point, and then that's when they get it. Like, okay, yeah. all right, we got. It. They don't use like or um or but. They they just I know, do, do man. That. I I am so of the like era. It's just ingrained. Luckily, I'm I'm old enough that I don't really have to contend with upspeak as much. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, when I was young, like I remember when I was in like high school, college, people who would do that, who would talk like this, they were few enough that like collectively people would mock them. But now to me, it's just like the way people talk. Like you hear more younger people speaking like that than don't speak like that. So again, they win, we lose. You see, you see even people uh, in the in the Times, in like in, like pe- like in the New York Times, even writing like that, and I can tell because it ends in a question mark. Yeah, it's like a statement yeah. question mark, and and it always I always go, Are you really going to put that in in this Pulitzer Prize winning paper, you know? Yeah, and and again, to me, even when people say it when they're just speaking, it's kind of almost a way of leaving yourself wiggle room, mm-hmm. like like I just did right there. Uh, like leaving yourself wiggle room so you're not fully committing to what you're saying. Because slight, if you disagree, slight. I can act like I'm just throwing it out there. It's not really my opinion. You know, that's sort of, uh, but you know. <laughs> uh, well, Christian, thank you. I didn't want to take up too much of your day. Yeah, no, thank you. I, I appreciate it. I appreciate your taking time. And thanks for being so uh, thoughtful with your questions and, and uh, for g- giving a, giving the special some attention. I really appreciate that. Of course, anytime. Like I said, I've, I've I watched the Comedy Central presents for way too many times and way too long, even the premium blend stuff. And uh, so it was all. It's always a joy to talk to somebody that I've uh, seen and known and heard for uh, a very long time. So this this was uh, this is truly great, fantastic. Awesome. Well, thanks, Chad. I appreciate it.